Mount's in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason Mount. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tamori. Loses Callum Hunt to the door. And there it is. His first goal. For Chelsea, the teenager, a moment he will remember. Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. I'm Orlando and we are recording directly after Chelsea's 4-0 victory over Morecambe in the FA Cup third round. For today's pod, I am joined as usual by David. How you doing, mate? Uh, good to see Chelsea back to winning ways, even if it was against lower league opposition. Um, a few guys played well, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and there's a few disappointing things that we'll want to touch on as well. But um, yeah, good to be on. Excited to talk uh, on the podcast again. Yeah, and we are also joined by Mr. Danny New. How are you doing? Good to have us with, have you with us. I'm good, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, just happy to see Super Frankie Lampard smiling again. Very happy indeed. <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, so. It was a, a productive afternoon, 4-0, um, some, some nice names on the score sheet. But when the lineup was announced, and actually before the lineup was announced, there was quite a lot of uh, grumblings on Twitter among the fan base. Um, I actually learned the day before the game that um, no youth players would who were training with the first team in the week going up to the game, none of them would be involved in the squad apart from Tino Andrin which was extremely gutting frustrating um but you know that news wasn't allowed to be circulated it didn't come out until the lineup um was was released so what what were your thoughts when when that lineup did come out Danny well um as a fellow in the know uh supremo <laughs> myself I obviously was privy to the knowledge even before you I mean it comes straight from Frank to me I'm that high up but Obviously, I was a bit upset because um, we've seen all the pictures and training of, of, of the Youth Academy products getting some time. And everyone was quite excited about seeing Sir Bell as well. He's just turned 17. Was it yesterday or today, yeah. in fact? Today. So everyone was quite excited. But um, I think Frank will have just wanted to get, uh, get the team out as usual, first 11 or something approaching that and get some some confidence in them because they've looked shot recently. Every time Werner or Havertz have thrown goal, they don't look confident. And maybe today after scoring, admittedly, against League Two opposition, uh, they'll be back on form. So he's probably just thinking he wants to get a bit of continuity going, but it's a shame we haven't seen uh, some, some of the younger boys get a chance. Yeah, I agree. I think... Yeah, there obviously, as you say, there are two sides to the coin. I think all the listeners listeners will know, and and you two know better than anyone that I'm very biased towards the the academy guys, and you know I'm not afraid to admit that I did was really disappointed. I thought Henry Lawrence definitely should have to not even get on the bench is just you know so disappointing, um, and it doesn't make much sense when when you've got guys on there who are never going to come on. Um, and I think, you know, like, he he had a good case to start. Um, but if he's if he's not starting, to have him not in the squad at all is just really disappointing. And I know that that's, that's not going to have, you know, a good effect in the long term going forward on those players' kind of um, mentality towards Frank Lampard and, and the opportunities there. Because we saw, you know, last year, 
We had Montgomery starting the cup against Man United. We had Billy Gilmore against Liverpool. And, you know, these guys can't even get on the bench against Morecambe, which is just disappointing. But anyway, um, that being said, we'll move on to the goals. We'll go through each goal. The first one from the birthday boy was a great way to get the, the afternoon started, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, Mason Mount. I mean, I was quite surprised to see him start, regardless of what we're saying with the uh, youth players and that. Uh, you know, you'd think he was probably one of the guys who definitely gets a rest in this one, uh, since he plays basically every minute for Chelsea. But he's clearly someone who just wants to play every game. Um, and Frank obviously trusts him. So um, he, he played really well. I thought he was one of the best players uh, on the pitch throughout the whole game um, and deserved his goal. It was only his second goal of the season, actually. Um, he got one. Uh, also long-range strike in the league uh, to kick-start a comeback against Southampton, I believe it was. Um, and then, obviously, he scored a nice goal here, sort of quite Frank Lampard-esque, really well hit, had lots of time. Um, Hudson Doy got the assist for that one. Quite a simple ball, but um, playing it inside rather than just whipping a but aimless crossing, which is what you like to see. Um, but, yeah, it kind of we, we struggled a little bit in the first half to break them down, so it was quite like... There was a lot of long shots coming in. I mean, Emerson, for some reason, was just stepping into midfield and cracking he long shots away. He's prime Roberto Carlos. <laughs> yeah, he, he he stepped into midfield and, and three or four times. He was really narrow in the game. He wasn't really overlapping. He was really sitting in midfield and just cracking long shots from 20, 30 yards out. Most of them were pretty wayward or getting blocked. Well, they all were. Um, but yeah, Mason has his one and takes it. He's, he's got very good technique and uh, yeah, kick-started the game quite well for us, I thought. Yeah, agreed. And then... It didn't take too long for, for the scoreline to be doubled with a nice goal. Kai Havertz, Hakim Ziyech and, and Timo Werner all linking up for, for Werner's first goal in, I don't know, 10, 11 games? 13 games since Werner last scored. Oh, wow. uh, it's been a major goal drought for him. I don't actually know if Maratta went that long without scoring a goal for Chelsea. Not to put Werner in that category yet. But um, yeah, regardless of the opposition, it's good for him to get a goal. I think... Um, Danny, I'll let him come in in a minute because I think he agrees with me that, that Werner didn't particularly play well tonight. But, um, you know, getting the goal was, was important. Good ball by Hakim Ziyech, that kind of patented um, left foot um, in-swinger from him to the back post. Guy Havertz does well to knock it down. It's harder than it looks to do that, to actually guide the header across the goal. Um, yeah. And obviously find Werner for a, for a tap-in and they looked... Well, they just stood still. I think they thought it was going to get ruled out. But, um, but yeah, Werner, good, good to get on the score sheet. But... Um, Danny, uh, like we were saying earlier, his performance wasn't great, but I'm not sure if that's actually important. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I think I saw that his goal was his 17th touch of the half, which was the fewest of any Chelsea player. And I think the context, Vietch had something like 67 in the first half. So he's quite isolated. <laughs> not not great viewing those figures, but I think that goal will do him a world of one. Uh, of, good for his, his confidence because literally I think he's hit the post or, or the woodwork at least five times this season so luck hasn't been on his side and sometimes you just need a, a two yarder against the league two side to, to get you going again so hopefully we'll see that Yeah I mean what I noticed in the game actually although like we said Werner from an individual standpoint wasn't that great he actually does make he's still got that movement he'll always have that he's always getting in the positions and there's a few chances where he does actually make the run and kind of point for a player to play it. But he, he, it's those runs where if, if the player takes one touch, the, the angle closes. So the opportunities where it gets kind of cut back from our full-back um, into the midfielders centrally on the edge of the box or kind of 30 yards out, 
know, if they play that first time ball, Werner's on the shoulder and he'd be in. But as soon as they take one touch, that opportunity's gone. So it's them fine margins like that that prevent him from actually getting played through on goal. Um, but someone like Hakim Ziyech can actually unlock that door. So hopefully we can see more of that going forward as well. I think also this is number nine in a kind of front three is not really the position we'll see him playing against low block sides. I mean, obviously, because it's League Two opposition, it doesn't really matter so much what what position you put players in. Um, but, you know, we're not going to see Werner playing number nine against a Burnley or someone that, that just isn't where he's most effective. Obviously, we, we know he's more um, dangerous when he has space to attack. Um, and we've expressed, all, all three of us, um, annoyance at, at our team kind of not releasing Timo Werner on transition often when he, when he does make those runs. Um, but, you know, it, it's good to see, as you say, Danny, him getting that goal, hope um, signify a, a change in fortunes for him. Um, but, yeah, I, in my opinion, the one player I was most excited to see um, today, well, along with Billy Gilmore, was was Callum Hudson Odoi, and his third goal was a piece of beauty from Hakim Ziyech, wasn't it, Danny? Yeah, it was sensational. Like just to have the vision to to dink that over is immense. I, I just love seeing Hakim Ziyech play football because every time he gets it, you know he's going to do something exciting with it. it. Might not always come off. He's very high risk, uh, high reward, a bit like Bruno Fernandes in that sense. But um, he's got a wonderful left foot and the way he just plays it over uh, the, the block uh, into Carl, who had bags of sp- uh, space and time to finish it off, was, was brilliant. And it's a nice little understanding they've got going between them uh, on the opposite flank. So maybe we could see Cal on the left, CH on the right, linking up more often. So uh, that's really promising going forward, I think. And then the fourth goal. Kai Havertz finally getting on the score sheet, I thought was the best of the lot. Some really, really nice um, build-up play from Tammy Abraham and, and Cesar Azpilicueta. Yeah, he he played well, Kai Havertz. I think he struggled a little bit in the first half, but in the second half, he got into the game more. Um, I'm surprised he didn't score before that. I actually said, how, how's he not scored? You know, there was a chance for Azpilicueta to cut it back up some nice football, and it was well saved. And then the keeper saved the rebound as well from the Pulisic follow-up. And he had a few other chances, but he did really well to rise up at the bad post and, and not that one home. So to pick up another goal and assist today, it's only going to help his confidence. And I think we saw last season with Leverkusen that actually before the new year, he really didn't do much when he kicked on um, in the second half of the season. So hopefully he can do that for us as well um, going forward. And then I did, we were saying earlier about the, the youth players. The only one who was on the bench was Tino Andrin. He's kind of the, the crown jewel of the Chelsea Academy at the moment. Um, so, you know, He's quite far ahead of all the other guys. So, you know, it's understandable that he got on the bench. And if none of them else did, it would have been, you know, a travesty if he didn't. But anyway, um, he was on the bench, but we had to wait and wait and wait for him to come on. It was 3-0, 4-0 up against the League Two side. You know, if Tino Andrin went on loan, it would be to a a championship or League One side, you know, higher level than Morecambe. And we're waiting, we're seeing... Olivier Giroud, Tammy Abraham, come on, even Christian Pulisic, which does not make any sense to me. And it, it was just really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised we didn't see Andrew in earlier. Like I mentioned, you know, you thought maybe he could make some amount of rest or something um, and get Tino on earlier. I thought after about an hour, he'd come on, get him half an hour under his belt. Um, and he's a dangerous player. Um, so he could have 
hadn't made an impact and sort of kicked off his senior Joe Secreo with a goal or something, hopefully. Um, however, we had, yeah, you say we had to wait to the 80th minute. I mean, with the like we mentioned earlier with the academy lads, Andrewin um, was the one who actually got the opportunity today. Barely got any minutes. I think, you know, like we said, Lampard just wanted a result. We would have got it anyway um, if he brought him on in the second half. So I was a little bit confused that he didn't come on sooner. Um, I just want to chime quickly back in on the rest of them, though. I would, I would have very much liked to see Henry Lawrence play today. I think people um, want to see Jude soon sort Bell. I mean, I think that was unrealistic anyway. Like I say, is his 17th yeah, birthday today? The other guys like um, Livermento and, and Lawrence uh, and Lewis Bate, I can understand the frustration. But Jude Susan Bell was realistically never going to be ready for the squad today. He's just been training with the first team for three or four days. And he's actually kind of... only made two appearances for the under-23s. So yeah, exactly. He's, he's, yeah, all week this week that he's been training with the senior team, it's been as a 16-year-old boy. So he's not. Um, he wasn't going to be ready. I think him training is, is a good step for him anyway with the first team. So, uh, yeah. But I'm sure we'll see more of him in the future and he'll get his chance along with Henry Lawrence and those guys as well. I think a the problem other guy, is. Sorry, you go ahead. Oh, sorry, oh, thank you. Um, I think a problem is that we've got such depth in our squad. Like you can't really, or I'd, I'd imagine it's very difficult to tell a fully fledged international that they're not making a bench for an FA Cup game, and it's hard to dress it up as being rested either when they're not playing full stop. Obviously, Mark Alonso isn't part of, uh, of Frank's plans, but it'd be very difficult to say leave Kovacic. Uh, off the bench entirely or or Jorginho. I think obviously there's rumours that there's unrest in a dressing room and maybe Frank's trying to keep everyone on on side. There might be some of that at play. Obviously we're disappointed, but I'm trying to think of some reasons at least why why Frank has, has decided not to put the youth on the bench. Well, I just think like Mateo Kovacic, Jorginho I can understand because he didn't play against Man City, but Mateo Kovacic, he started last game against Man City He's almost definitely going to start against Fulham next game with um, with N'Golo Kante suspended. So, you know, obviously it makes sense to rest him. And, and in my opinion, Mason Mount, let alone starting, shouldn't have even been on the bench either. I don't really understand playing. Obviously, played well, but anyone else would have played well as well. Um, and especially kind of, you know, I know this is very nitpicky, but bringing Tino Andrew in on right on that right wing somewhere where he's barely ever played when Mason Mount is playing 90 minutes every week you can just bring him bring Tino on in his natural position again doesn't make too much sense to me um moving on the other guy who we saw come on alongside Tino Andrin around the 80th minute another academy graduate uh Fikayo Tomori his first game since September I believe um do we think this was a farewell perhaps Dan um Unfortunately, I think it probably was, yeah. Um, the news on the grapevine is that he's probably on his way out this this January, depending on Christensen's situation, but he seems to be back from his injury now. Um, Tamori is one of my favourite players. He, I think he was excellent last season when he was playing for us next to Zuma, so it's a bit of a confusing one. We don't know what's going on in, internally at the club between him and Frank, because there must be something there for him to kind of be completely outcast, because uh, it's clearly not because of his performances on the pitch. Um, so it's an interesting one. It's a shame... Uh, he obviously came on for minimal minutes here. It was, it was not anything that you can gauge from. Um, he just came on for 10 minutes. But yeah, he hadn't played since I think it was against Spurs um, in the League yeah. Cup early rounds where we lost um, the... Did we lose us on penalties in that game? It was so long ago. Yeah, that, that tells a story. Yeah, it tells a story. It was that long ago since we 
last saw Fikao Tomori play. So it's a shame, but out of all the academy lads, um, Hudson Doy, Mount, Tammy, him and Reese James are that kind of that five core group that is now in the first team. He, he looks like the one that's probably going to be uh, forced to move on. Um, it looks like he himself was probably, you know, wanting to take that step to to get football for his own career and you can't really blame I mean, him for that. If I if I was him, I would be so angry. You know, I would be yeah. handing in a transfer request. You know, we've seen he's he's a lovely guy. You know, he, he's such a nice guy. I don't think he would ever be someone to cause unrest in the dressing room. But, you know, his agent, his family, I'm sure will all be telling him, you know, just get that move permanently away because I understand him perhaps wanting to go on loan, show what you can do in six months. You know, you may not get into the team straight away. In the Premier League, there are not even that many games left, especially if you're going to a club without European football. So I just, I don't see it really benefiting him as much as a permanent move would, where it would help him get his feet on the ground and and really kind of set himself up nicely to move forward. Because we all know how good he is, but if he gets a feeling from Chelsea that he's not really wanted, then what's the point in staying any longer? Yeah, I can't blame him for, for kind of wanting the move. I'd like to see him maybe go abroad. Um, I think he, given the choice, would just stay at Chelsea and play every week. I think he clearly wants to play for Chelsea. Yeah. But because he's not getting the opportunity, he's going to kind of have to move on, unfortunately. I'd like to maybe see him go abroad. There's been links with him to France in the past. He's linked to Leeds a lot, which I don't think would be great for him, especially if it was alone, because they just concede loads of goals. So actually, from the point of view of kind of putting himself in that shop window or back into Frank's perspective. Leeds' system leaves their centre-backs quite exposed and so it's hard for them to to kind of make a name for themselves there, really. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see him go abroad. It's, it's a shame. I really like Fikayo, but um, I think for his sake, he's going to have to move on. Whether or not that is his final Chelsea game, we, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, it, it, I think a lot of it in this month depends on, like we say, Christensen's fitness. Um, but it looks like, yeah, he, he'll probably be uh, one of the guys to depart in the next few weeks. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I believe that is the case. Um, on the other side of the uh, kind of academy graduate spectrum, Callum Doy was brilliant today, wasn't he, Danny? Do you think, you know, surely he has to start at Fulham? You'd have thought he'd cemented his place in the team currently, given that. Uh, goal against Man City as well um, and the way he played today I thought he's so sharp some of his footwork is immense and, and actually something that's really promising is his link up with Mason Mount um, you saw that going on quite a lot um, down, down the right flank as well um, and he's, he's versatile he can play on the right or the left uh, and he just consistently beat his man I think I felt sorry for that slightly I don't know how old he was. He didn't look like a uh, the kind of right back he'd come up against in the league, <laughs> but he, he was just ruining him every time. It was just brutal. Uh, I thought Callum was immense today. There were a couple of times where I thought maybe instead of drilling it in when he had time to think and maybe cut it back or float it to the back stick, uh, but overall he was excellent and I think a goal and an assist is it's good for his self-esteem and it's good uh, that he's got something to show for it. Yeah, one thing I've noticed with Callum, I think he's really improved his off-the-ball movement this season. He's making those runs um, into the box and stuff, which he wasn't before. He saw it with the goal against Man City. 
Um, played a nice one-two for his first goal of the season against Palace as well with Havertz. And then um, today, same thing, makes a run on the shoulder. Ziyech picks him up brilliantly and he gets his goal. Um, I think he's been our brightest spark through this poor run of form we've been on. And he should be starting against Fulham. Uh, whether or not he will, I'm not sure, because it looks like Pudisic is kind of the fa- favoured guy there with Frank. But I, I don't see how... Hudson-Odoi can't really be starting at the moment. He's really bright. The, the only thing I can... Not even a criticism, really, but just something I want to see more of him. In, in the youth teams and stuff, he really was that kind of guy who would pick up the ball and you know use his dribbling ability and beat a few men. He, he doesn't do that as often anymore. Uh, I don't know if it's just because of his injury or just the way we're playing. He, he likes to play a pass and then make a run for a one-two or something rather than kind of jinking past his man in the way that Pulisic I does. I was reading an interview with him uh, a few days ago and he was just saying how he is really um, focused on having a wide variety of ways to beat his man or to move the ball forward or to to progress the ball up the pitch so and you know that can be seen already in his skill set you know obviously he's we all know his 1v1 ability dribbling driving with the ball off the ball but his passing is amazing um, yeah, and he's he's got really good positioning so obviously he's got a wide skill set in, in that respect but it's about it's often there are often wingers who have the ability but don't um you know mentally think about it how am I going to do certain things how am I going to you know face up to my man in in a different variety of ways so I think with Callum it's just it's only going to be a positive if he's not doing the same thing uh, you know every time (laughs) obviously you want to see a bit more of that dribbling (laughs) ability but um you know, if he's not producing it every time, that's fine because we already know he has it in the locker. Yeah, that's true. I think he's a very smart player. He's actually underrated from that side of the game as well. Um, he's tough to predict for the fullbacks, and I think he knows what he's going to do before he gets the ball. And he also is very good at moving to find his space um, before he receives the ball. So he'll pull away from his fullback and receive it, um, you know, quite way before he actually receives the pass. I think he's a step ahead yeah. of a lot of players and he's good with his one-twos and movement, like you say. I think he's more intelligent than people think um, when it comes to attacking. So even if he's, like you say, I guess not sort of dribbling past people and doing that kind of thing, he'll usually still get into those positions through his intelligent and kind of um, versatile play. So yeah, I do agree with that. And I think also one other thing I'd say with him not um, taking his man on so often is that I think it's just the way teams play against Chelsea and in the Premier League because they know that our approach is very flank-based with the fullbacks as well as the wingers. They're going to double up in the wide areas because when I see him play for England under-21s, he is, you know, as you say, Dan, one of his best attributes, creating separation before he receives the ball. He's got time and he takes on his man every time, crossing, shot in, whatever. Because, you know, the teams that England are facing, it's, recently it's been the, the European Championship qualifiers. Um, teams like, I think, Andorra, Austria. Um, then going to double up on him because England have so many different variety of ways of hurting different teams and they don't have a specific flank-based approach or a central-based approach. It's quite a, an individualistic um, team. So... I guess you also have to take into account the circumstances. Yeah, I agree. And and just to move on to another point, um, away from Hudson Adoy, just with the kind of system and stuff that Chelsea play. I know we've spoken about it, Orlando, and I'd like to see Danny's thoughts 
we've spoken quite a lot recently about the um, sort of formation and system Chelsea play, and we saw Havertz today really high up the pitch. Um, so we've, myself and you, have, have said that we'd like to see a sort of four-four-two or four-triple-two system, where you kind of yeah. link Werner and Havertz together up there, and then use um, the wingers come quite centrally with their cutting inside um, to kind of sit just behind those guys. But I think that would be a system that would suit Chelsea. It allows Havertz up the pitch and goal scoring is one of his main things. So it gets him into the box um, like, like we saw today. And that could be a system we use going forward. Um, so I've, but, discussed yeah. this, I've discussed this on, on the pod numerous times, actually, with different guests. I think with when we have Keir Doyle on, I talked, talked to him about it and Abhishek as well. Um but it's just, I think our squad is almost perfectly suited for it. I can understand why it's not um, happening now with, you know, N'Golo Kante being our only real kind of solid, solidly defensive midfielder. Once we bring in Declan Rice, which does look like, more like a matter of, of when rather than if, once he comes in or a similar player, I think if Frank or you know, hoping Frank is still there then. But, you know, once that player comes in, that's really, really the, the formation we should be playing. Yeah, I think a key to uh, Frank staying in the job is his ability to get the best out of his star players. And Kai Havertz and Timo Werner have been brought in for about £120 million combined. Uh, and we've seen in the past with Ancelotti and Torres and Mourinho and Shevchenko that not being able to get the best out of your big big stars can cost you your job. So I think a 4-2-2 approach would work really well. I've been writing an article about um, Frank Lampard and why I think he should keep his job, and one of the areas he could and the areas he, he can improve in. Um, and I think that playing Timo Werner as part of a front two, maybe with Havertz or Giroud or Abraham feeding him. Uh, would be much better for him because it's much more like how he played at RB Leipzig with Yusuf um, Poulsen, who's basically his only job was to to knock the ball down for Werner or, or play Werner in behind. Um, and I think, obviously, we can see that Havertz is more dangerous the further up the pitch he is because currently he's making, I think, 0.6 key passes, 0.7 shots per game when he was in two, like near two in both metrics last season. So, Moving him up the pitch, giving him more scope to create and to take shots uh, would also be crucial for, for our success. So I think a four-two-two-two could be the way forwards. And we're talking about kind of getting up the pitch. Something I really noticed about today, um, something I notice every time Billy Gilmore plays, really, or rather something I notice every time Jorginho doesn't play, is that we have so much more attacking thrust with him on the pitch. Um, and, you know, the way every time he receives the ball, um, he always takes it first time, first touch, it's a turn to look forward and his head is up. And it's just, I just feel like I never see it with Jorginho. And Golo Kante, I think he does it to an extent, but not as much as Billy. And it's so refreshing to see, Dan. Yeah, Billy Gilmore's one of my favourite players, he's excellent. He, he he looks like a year seven, but the way he plays is is he's so mature, but he like you say, he's always forward thinking, his vision's excellent. I think what he offers more so than Jorginho, like I say, is that Jorginho can come in and help kind of control a game in the sense that just uh, he's, he's a passion, passing option, but he's just very simple and, and he's just 
sideways and backwards and he'll pass it back to Rudiger and he'll drop between the centre-backs to receive the ball and just pass it straight back to them or just lay it simple out to the full-back. Whereas, Gil- and that's fine if we're just trying to you know get five minutes on the ball, but Gilmore, like I say, offers that vision and forward thinking and he breaks the lines of his passes into those players like um, Hudson Adoy and Ziek and Havertz who are kind of in between the lines. He, he finds those passes and he, he doesn't dwell on the ball. Uh, he's also really not shy of having the ball. Even if he makes a mistake, he want, wants the ball. He, he's not one of those guys who will put his back to it because he doesn't want to receive the pass, which you do see sometimes. Mm. Players go and hide literally behind the marker because they don't want the ball. He will never do that. Um, so I'm really, I've been really impressed with Billy. Um, hopefully he can get a few more first team minutes for the rest of the season. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to end up going out alone at any point. I think he will probably just sit around the Chelsea senior team until he can kind of establish himself as a starter. Um, I'd like in the future to see him partnered next to Declan Rice in the midfield. I think that would be a really cool um, thing to see. Obviously, if you now we've got Kante and he's not out the door anytime soon, in my opinion, he's still probably our best player. But um, yeah, at some point to see Gilmore and Rice link up would be, I think that would be a really like, versatile midfield that offers everything, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just like... <laughs> I find it quite um, interesting to think, like, when you're talking about this deepest midfield player, people often talk about how defensively robust certain players are and, you know, leaving us open to to be susceptible on transition, stuff like that. But I just find such a stark difference in how we look when we do have the ball and when we're attacking. Such a big difference to, to when we have Billy Gilmore and when we have... Jorginho and as I said I think N'Golo Kante is kind of in the middle in the middle between the two but yeah I mean today was a bit different because I feel like Mason Mount and Kai Havertz were almost both playing as number 10s like you know (laughs) Emerson was playing as a a number eight you know it was kind of it wasn't really a, a solid structure that we would often see but Billy was really at the heart of it just circulating the ball moving it quick that's the other thing I love about him his passes have so much pace on them don't they Danny yeah I think he's an an excellent excellent option either as a six or an eight um, as you said, his distribution is immense. Um, he's always give and go, give and go. Uh, he always shows for the ball and he's always looking to break the lines. And I also love how tenacious he is. Like he's a proper Glaswegian. He goes in hard. He goes for yeah. the tackles. He goes for the headers, even when he's not going to win. Oh, yeah. There's a brilliant six. one today. There's a brilliant one today when, when, when he went for a header and he got absolutely battered. Yeah. Like the, the guy beat him. He was about two feet taller than him he got straight yeah. up and and tackled him so it's yeah, just yeah, that's, that's what billy's about i think that side of his game yeah, is underrated he, he's quite more tenacious than people I think agree. He's, he's quite defensively solid and there is loads of clips of him jumping up in the air with six foot six midfielders just trying to win it he doesn't care when um, i so, play yeah. when i play football um i'm quite a, a similar player to to gilmore similar position similar skill set i'm also a similar height you know, I'm quite short, but and I play in the basement field, so you have lots of aerial jewels. And the best piece of coaching advice I have really ever been given is to always contest a header, even if you're never going to make it. Always jump. And ever since I started doing that, the amount of times the other player just misses the ball or their header is not as accurate because they get unsighted or they get thrown off. That is something that I noticed Jorginho never does. And if he does, he just ends up on the floor and they run past him. 
Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But, you know, but you're right. If if he contests it, even if he's never going to win it, it means that the the guy winning it can't get an accurate header away. And quite usually, it will just be mopped up by a centre back who would step into midfield in yeah. order to to help Billy out. So, no, you're right. He he should continue doing that, and I'm sure he will. Like uh, like Danny said, he's he's got that proper Scottish blood. He isn't not going to back down from a from a challenging midfield with lower league opposition or anyone. So yeah, he's but he's been really impressive for Chelsea so far. And it's important to know as well that Orlandinho is the new Billy Gilmore. You heard it here first. Right. He, yeah, he did he say. Good. It's Billy Gilmore. He, he did say I've got the yeah. same skill set as Billy Gilmore. That is a direct quote. Breaking the Chelsea scene soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch out, Jorginho. I'm coming for you. All right. <laughs> We're going to move it on to the last section of the pod. I think, Dan, you've got a short feature prepared for myself and Danny, haven't you? Yeah, it's going to be a short one because I think it's going to be quite tough. Um, so I've got two categories. And since an FA Cup-based pod with our game against Morecambe just now, there's two FA Cup categories. So what I've got, I've got a list of all of Chelsea's FA Cup final goal scorers in history. Um, from Sorry, no, FA Cup final goal scorers uh, when, in the year we've won it. So goal scorers when Chelsea have won the FA Cup final. Um, and I've got a list of all the teams Chelsea have beaten in the FA Cup final. So the opposition from when Chelsea have won the FA Cup. So um, there is obviously Chelsea won the FA Cup eight times. Um, however, there is only seven different opposition because one of the teams we have played twice. And there is, let me just check, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And there's also eight different goal scorers from Chelsea FA Cup winning finals. So I'm going to... Danny, I'm going to let Danny pick which one he'd prefer to try and guess uh, all of. We'll see how many he can get. Um, and then Orlando, whichever one he doesn't take, you can take a few guesses at. Basically, just guess until you get one wrong. And we'll see how many okay. each of right. you get. So do you, would you is, rather is have... a time limit? Or... Uh, no, you can just guess until you get one wrong. Actually, you can have one life. You can have one life. Okay. Could I go for teams we beat in, in, in finals, please? That, that's fine, which means Orlando, you'll have Chelsea goal scorers in winning cool. FA Cup finals. So it's only in the finals we won. So, for example, when we uh, got beat by Arsenal last year, uh, Pulisic is not on this list. Um, okay, I'll go with you, Danny, then first. So, Danny, teams Chelsea have beaten in the FA Cup final. Go. Okay, I'll go. 1970, we beat Leeds. Correct. Um, I think we beat Middlesbrough in the 90s. Yep, we've correct. beaten Portsmouth. Correct. We've beaten Everton. Correct. United. I think we've beaten United twice, actually. Correct. Um, he's dropped up a squad, the last goal, the new Wembley, didn't he? The first goal, the new Wembley. Yep. Um, there's there's oh, two more teams. Diff- oh, we've beaten Liverpool with Bob correct. Mateo. There's one more team. Uh, I guess the last team was in the 90s because we won it. Oh, was it 2000? Something Ooh. like that. Oh. Uh, duh. Um, Stop beating. Uh, okay. Now, n- nothing's springing to mind now. I'll give you the so, year. It, the year okay. was 2000. So it was 99, 2000 season. When we it won was it. 2000, was it? Right. Aston Villa. Correct. Oh, was my it? God. Yeah. Danny just got no every way. single one correct. So we beat Leeds, <laughs> Borough, Villa. Manchester United twice, Everton, Portsmouth and Liverpool. So Danny just got every single one. I am yeah, not going to do There's this. no way Orlando can win this because I think he'll get 
there's a few that he will get because there's some quite obvious names. However, I don't think he's going to get the goal scorers from the like the 1970 FA Cup final. Mate, but okay. what I will do to just give you a bit of a helping hand, obviously I'll tell you the years that would beat them all, so you can try and figure out some players that played for us at that time. So obviously there was uh, 1970. There's two goal scorers from that final in 1970. Then there's uh, 97, where there's two again. 2000, and then there's 2007, 2009, 2010, 2012, and 2018. So how many of the FA Cup final winning okay. goal scorers can you name? All right, so Eden Hazard when we beat Man United. Yeah, from the penalty spot. Yep. Um, against Liverpool, I think uh, Drogba scored, and oh, it was Ramirez, wasn't it? Yeah, you got them both. Yep. And then I know Lampard um, must have scored one. Yeah, he got one. Uh, so let me just tell you the years you've got. So you've got 2018. Okay. You've got both the scorers from 2012. Um, you've got... Because uh, you said Drogba 2012. So then from 2009, you've got Lampard. So you've still got a goal scorer in 2010. Another one in 2009. 2007. And then 97, 2000. And then the 70s. Oh, mate. Think, I mean, um, if you think about, like, there's one guy who's won a lot of finals for us, so you can kind of rattle him off three, like, a few times. <laughs> um, okay, Drogba again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, give you, I'll just give um, you Drogba, because he, he, he's got four FA Cup final goals for us. 2007, okay. 2009, 2010, I 2012. Think... Okay. So then you've got um, basically 2000 then before now. I'm going to guess Dennis Wise, 97. No, no, got it wrong. Oh. Dennis Wise did not score an FA Cup final goal for Chelsea. So, Orlando, you got uh, uh, one, um... two, three. No, you, you finished. One, two, three. You got seven because four drug was, I mean, Lampard, Ramirez, Azard. So, you did pretty well. Um, I think I can name a few from like old ones. Go on. Can I wait? Can I have a go? Go on, have one. Go yeah. on, Orlando. Jimmy Greaves. No. My first ever article for the Chelsea Sport was about like the team of the seventies. Now we do have a history, so yeah. I think Osgood and Webb scored in the FA Cup final replay at Old Trafford. Neither of them scored. No, neither. <laughs> I thought we beat Leeds two one. Uh, Leeds. The goal scorers against Leeds were Hutchinson and Hausman. Was that not the first leg, uh, the the original? And then we oh, it might have been. Replay. I might have my stats wrong then. Yeah, I mean, I'm on it. So technically, we Dan, you're you're being. All right, I'll give it to Danny. <laughs> the quiz master has been well, played at his own game. Like, yeah, Danny's knowledge. I'm is... pretty what, sure okay. Gustavo, big Gustavo Poyet scored one. Bobby Di Matteo's definitely scored one. It was the fastest. Oh, Di yeah. Matteo, Di Matteo, '97 and 2000. But there's one more goal scorer in '97. Can anybody get it? Bit of a club legend. Um... Great coach. Had a great barnet at the time, but doesn't have any barnet anymore. Steve Clark? No. Oh. It's a great um... coach. No, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 he's, um, he's recently left the Chelsea, Chelsea coaching team. The one that went Eddie Newton? Eddie, Eddie Newton. Newton. Yeah, Eddie yeah. Newton really? scored in 1997 wow. FA Cup final, uh, along with Di Matteo. So, well done, Danny, there, proving his knowledge. Orlando, he did pretty well. 
to be fair. Get, I, I, I forgot okay. about Ramirez against Liverpool, to be honest. I, I remember was that. To get the second goal yeah. Yeah. What a season he had in 2012, Ramirez, because goals against Barcelona and that in the Champions League semi-finals yeah. as well. What a season we had, man. Di Matteo. It's a great times. So hopefully, anyway, Chelsea can um, find some FA Cup success this year. We'll have to wait and see who we get in the fourth round. Um, but I'm sure the lads will do the business. Um, but yeah, back, back to you, Orlando. I think we're pretty much wrapped up. Yeah, that, that's it, really. Just got to say thanks, Danny. It was, a, it was a pleasure to have you on again. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, so did I. And thank you, Dan. And cheers, cheers for that quiz. Yeah, unlucky, mate. Danny, your knowledge was excellent in that quiz. Um, I'm, actually, I'm pretty surprised. And clearly, you actually knew more than me, even though I had answers written down. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, well, well, well done, mate. But yeah, cheers, Orlando. Good to be back on. Um, and hopefully you'll, I can be on it a bit more regularly now like we were in the early days of the Chelsea spot so keep an eye out for that as well everybody alright yeah that wraps it up really just all that left to say is please make sure to check us out on all our social media platforms if you haven't already that's at the Chelsea spot on Twitter and Instagram and the thechelseaspot.com is our website with some lovely articles That is going to wrap up the pod. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.